What's up, Ace fans, and welcome to episode 6 of the Locked On Ace podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. I am noted baseball fan Jason Burke, and I have been sick with the flu, so I apologize for getting this Hall of Fame discussion up a little bit late, but uh, I got the flu, haven't wanted to do anything until right this moment. Um, so today we're going to talk about the Hall of Fame, obviously, you know, uh, Derek Jeter and Larry Walker got in. Uh, we're going to talk about that for, you know, a brief minute. We'll have a little intermission um, with our sponsors, and then we will talk about some A's that have good shots or, you know, potentially good shots at making the Hall of Fame later on if uh, their careers continue on the trajectory that they are currently on. So, uh, yeah, without further ado, I spoiled this part uh, already, but Derek Jeter and Larry Walker were both uh, elected to the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame. And Derek Jeter was one vote shy of being unanimous, and a lot of fans are very upset that he wasn't a unanimous uh, selection, which is ridiculous because only one player has ever been unanimously selected to the Baseball Hall of Fame, and it wasn't Ken Griffey Jr., who was amazing and should have been. It was Mariano Rivera who was, you know, another good candidate, I guess. He is the best closer of all time. Um, So yeah. He made sense. Derek Jeter had an iffy glove and uh, was a Yankee, so that should be held against him. So I think that the one person that didn't vote for Derek Jeter is a national hero, and uh, he should have his own day of celebration. So, or or she, I'm sorry, that was sexist of me. Um, he or she should have their own day of celebration. And while we're at it, their birthday should also be a national holiday. So that's what I'm going with. Uh, good job not voting for Derek Jeter. Um, but all jokes aside, Derek Jeter was fantastic at baseball, and I'm glad that he got in as you know easily as he did. He is a first ballot Hall of Famer, and uh, I enjoyed watching him play. He was an easy guy to root for, even though he was a stupid Yankee. Um, he's what I enjoyed about baseball growing up. You know, he started in '96, I think. I think that was his first year, and you know, I was 11 when that happened, so it, it was fun. He, I enjoyed Derek Jeter even though he was Derek Jeter and Jeremy Giambi was safe. Uh, those are my hot takes on Derek Jeter's Hall of Fame candidacy. Um, or, you know, induction. Um, my favorite Derek Jeter story comes from the 2003 ALDS um, when they played the Re- the A's played the Red Sox. Um, so, A's Red Sox, Pedro Martinez against Tim Hudson, Game 1 in Oakland. Was it Network Col- uh, Associates Coliseum at that point? I think it was. Um, I'm sitting in the third deck. Way the hell out there. I believe I was on the third base uh, line. <clears throat> this is the game that Ramon Hernandez won with a walk-off bunt. So, anyways. Um, fourth inning or something comes on. And they're doing a PSA uh, for, like, don't do drugs. And it's Derek Jeter's face saying, don't do drugs, and a stadium full of A's and Red Sox fans just boo him mercilessly like he could hear us. It was my favorite baseball moment of all time. So uh, kudos to Derek Jeter for making it to the Hall of Fame. Um, Also, Larry Walker. I know that, you know, he's going to be, you know, second fiddle, obviously, to Derek Jeter, the captain, but... I'm kind of excited for him. He's the first Rocky to go in. He was part of the, you know, Montreal Expos, and I, I'm pretty sure he's the last one that's uh, eligible to get in that was a former Expo. He's going in as a Rocky, but 
those Expos teams in the early 90s were ridiculous. And kudos to, you know, their scouting director and their player development staff and all that. Um, Larry Walker signed for like $1,500, which is crazy. And he started playing baseball at like 19 because he's Canadian. And as he said, he was born with a stick in his hand and skates on his feet. Um, so he played hockey until he was much older than uh, most people start playing baseball. Um, so kudos to him too, because, you know, hard work and perseverance and he was just, you know, gifted with being able to slug baseballs really well. Um, he was ding, he was on the ballot for 10 years, which kind of seems like a travesty when you look at his numbers, because he was just an all around great hitter and he had a cannon for an arm. He, you know, had five tools and he was fun to watch play, but you know, not as many people watched the Rockies back then. Uh, I certainly didn't. So I have become a fan of his after the fact, um, because I was not a noted baseball fan then. I was just an A's fan back in those days. Like, did you know that he ended his career with the Cardinals? I totally forgot about that. Go Larry Walker. Um, he also got his Hall of Fame uh, call from the Hall of Fame. Um, wearing a SpongeBob SquarePants shirt, which I think is hilarious. So he seems like a, an all right guy. And there's an article up on The Athletic. If you have a subscription, go find it. Um, it's on the Rockies page. Uh, he sounds fantastic, and I've enjoyed everything that I've read about him and seen, you know, in interviews from him uh, in the past day or so. So, Larry Walker, great job by you. So we're going to talk about, you know, the A's and the Hall of Fame here in a minute. But first, I want to tell you guys a little bit about how you can advertise with the podcast. If you've been a listener to this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all of the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On A's is a great way for your local business uh, to reach passionate A's fans, just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your uh, local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with A's fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Damn, I nailed that. All right, so if you just missed the last uh, minute of this, I read an advertisement. It was fantastic. Uh, if you missed it, go back because that's how that shit's done. And now the reason you all tune into Locked On A's, it's the A's portion of the Locked On A's podcast. Uh, so we have four candidates in my eyes that could make it to the Hall of Fame that are currently with the green and gold. Um, I have two mystery candidates and then two that are kind of obvious. Uh, I posed this question on Twitter uh, yesterday, I believe, uh, being like, hey, who do you think on the A's you know, has the best shot of making the, the Hall of Fame eventually, and the obvious answer were uh, Matt Chapman, Matt Olson. So I looked into it a little bit, and I'm going to lay out for you guys what I found. 
Um, if you guys are not familiar with the Jaws metric for Hall of Fame candidacy, it's by Jay Jaffe. It's his way of calculating, you know, a, a player's candidacy, basically, for the Hall of Fame. Um, it's basically war, like their war total for the whole their whole career. So all, you know, at least 10 years. So usually like 15 to 20. Um, that total, and then they have their peak seven years. So it's the f- uh, top seven war totals in a row. So if you had some big outlier seasons outside of those, those don't count. But uh, basically the, the best seven seasons and their war total, you combine those and divide them by two. So you take the average and that is your jaws total. And that's how you go with that. Um, so for third base, the average uh, cumulative war would be 68.4 for a career. The war seven or, you know, seven year uh, total, uh, best seven year total is 42.4. And the jaws total would come out 55.7. So Matt Chapman currently after two and a half years is at 18.5. Um, so one of those years it was like a half season and he had like a three war or something like that. So we're taking that one out. I think he had uh, 8.2 and 6.7 the last two years. So if you take those as two and then hopefully he does better than three in each of the next four years, so you don't have to include that one, then he would have to average a war total of six for the next five seasons. Um He'd be above the War 7 average uh, for Hall of Famers with a 44.9, but he'd still have to come up with around 25 War over the rest of his career somehow. Um, And only 25 because he already has three from the other half season. Um, And that'd be a tough hill to climb. He'd be entering his age 31 season. No, 32 season, I believe. I think he plays through 31 to get to seven years. Um, So that would be a little bit of a rough sled for him to make up that much ground. He'd still have to average, you know, high war totals for the duration of his career, um, at least into like age 37 to get that career war accumulated and all that stuff. Um, he'd probably have to do, if he played like another six seasons after his age 31 season, so 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, yeah, uh, through his age 37 year, uh, he'd have to, uh, uh, get about three and a half war or so per year to get up all the way to, uh, 68.4. Um, and, you know, he's great defensively, but if those skills start to deteriorate and you see anything close to like an uh, Albert Pujols decline, he's not going to be accumulating war as much as quickly anymore, if at all. Um, I think that his skill set is better suited to decline in a less rapid pace. Um, I mean, we saw Adrian Beltre do just fine as he aged at, you know, play remarkable third base. So Chapman's more in that mold than the Albert Pujols mold, I would assume. Um, so, you know, 3.5 is not out of the realm of possibility, but, I mean, he would still have to average, you know, a decent war total in the next five years to even approach that. What I'm saying is he's young still. He's entering his age 27 season. He's still a young guy. we got to see how the next couple of years go before we start making, you know, a Hall of Fame case, obviously. 
Um, but he's probably the best shot that the A's have of having somebody on the current roster um, make it to the Hall of Fame. There's guys like uh, Lozardo and Puck and um, Sean Murphy even, perhaps. Um, but they haven't really played a lot at the major league level yet, so I'm not ready to start projecting their Hall of Fame careers just yet. Um, so the other candidate that we have is uh, Matt Olson, And the first base uh, war totals uh, for Hall of Famers so far has been 66.9 cumulative war. The war seven is 42.7, and then the Jaws total is 54.8. Um, I'm going to go ahead and start off with a fun fact on Matt Olson. The, according to war, he has already had a better career than Billy Butler in seven and a half fewer seasons. So good for him. He's better than Billy Butler. Um, on the less good side of his Hall of Fame candidacy, I guess, uh, he has a war total of 12 so far. And while he's a year younger than Chapman, uh, that's still quite a bit of an uphill climb unless his bat like catches fire for the next few years. Um, he'd really have to have a few huge seasons um, to even broach the topic of Hall of, Hall of Fame candidacy. Um, I don't know how he could improve his defense a whole bunch more, you know, at first base and get higher war totals there. So it'd have to be a bat heavy approach to accumulating that war. And, you know, he's maybe going to hit 270 on a really, really good year. Uh, he, he's a 250, 260 guy with, you know, 40 home run pop. That's kind not, I'm not trying to discount Matt Olson because I love Matt Olson, but you know, that's more common in today's game. So the, the war totals aren't there as easily or as readily for, you know, that kind of power. Um, so he's a long shot, I would say, for the Hall of Fame. But I do have two mystery candidates that I would like to discuss. Uh, the first one, Mike Fires. I know, Mike Fires is, you know, a fine pitcher. He's whatever, his stat line's cool. Uh, and he's not an ace or anything like that. But I would like to point out that uh, maybe... I know that he's been facing some backlash for being a whistleblower, but perhaps if there's more to this story, because there seems to keep being more to the, the whole sign-stealing controversy, uh, if there's more that comes out, and this is heralded as, you know, he broke the whole, uh, the whole story wide open and, you know, saved baseball and the integrity of baseball and all that, maybe that's how he gets in. Do I think it's, you know, plausible? Plausible, yes. Likely, no. Um, in my head, he's kind of like Kurt Flood, only less significant because Kurt Flood changed free agency and was, you know, pretty cool about the whole thing. But, you know, he couldn't find a job after, you know, he challenged the reserve clause and went to the Supreme Court and all that to challenge the reserve clause, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he didn't get into the Hall of Fame. But, you know, it's a similar aspect where he could change the game but still not get the recognition from the voters. Um, and you know, his numbers aren't great, but he does have two no hitters. So that's a plus. Um, but you know, I don't think he's ever been like an MVP candidate or a Cy Young candidate. No, no. Okay. He was a candidate because, you know, he threw innings and pitched, but he didn't get votes is what I'm going with. Um, so he's a definite dark horse candidate in the whole hall of fame discussion. But uh, the other mystery candidate, and the one that might actually get in of all of the green and gold members, 
Uh, and if you've been paying close attention, I've been saying green and gold, not ace players, um, would be Billy Bean. I think that he has a decent shot of making it to the Hall of Fame, you know, when he's like 80. I don't know how old he has to be for this. But the man changed the way front offices operate. Love him or hate him for it. You know, he basically introduced sabermetrics to baseball. Okay, that's a little too glowing, I would say. Bill James introduced sabermetrics to everybody, but he implemented them. And the Red Sox won a bunch of World Series because of it. And, you know, while he hasn't won a title, teams that have adapted his philosophy and use their resources and all of that, you know, pizzazz, uh, they have had success with, you know, what he brought to baseball. Uh, the Astros you know, are very heavily into sabermetrics and cheating. Um, and, you know, they've had success doing it. The Cubs have had success using sabermetrics. Um, I'm not trying to give Billy Bring credit for basically every World Series title besides the Giants ones because they were old school and didn't use stats, I guess. But uh, they, they used gut feel and gusto. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, but Billy Bean has had a huge impact, and some sometimes that is all that you need to do to get into the Hall of Fame. Um, he's obviously not a, able to be voted on by the, the writers, but, you know, he could be one of the uh, the golden age of baseball. I, I don't know the committees, but they, they have committees for this, and he might be one of those guys. I don't know. Um, so, yeah. That basically Matt Chapman, Billy Bean, those are my my front runners for people in the A's organization that could make it to the Hall of Fame in the next I don't know twenty years. Um, yeah, about twenty years. Chapman might be retired and have five years after his uh, after he retires to get first ballot Hall of Fame consideration. He's probably not a first ballot Hall of Famer unless he goes completely bonkers. Um, but hey, if he led the A's to a World Series, I'd be okay with that. But also, that would help his Hall of Fame candidacy, and also Billy Bean's candidacy. So, go A's in 2020, obviously. But, uh, let's get some Hall of Famers out of this shit. Um, so yeah, that is all for episode 6. You can tell my voice is, uh, it's, uh, ready to give out on me. So, I'm gonna call it quits right now. This has been episode 6 of the Locked on A's podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you did, go ahead and go to wherever you find podcasts and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, it's Locked on A's. I'm sure that I've said that enough. And uh, also be sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked on A's. I am by Jason B. That is my personal account, which makes it sound fancy. It's not. It's just me saying things every now and then. I retweet some stuff. You know, whatever. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about baseball. Let's uh let's get this podcast going because I'm having fun. I hope you guys are having fun, and uh, let me know what you guys think on Twitter and stuff. And cool, so go out there and celebrate good times, Oakland. I'll talk to you guys soon.